watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and we have three movies for you again this week. Aladdin, Booksmart, and Nonfiction. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consumer moderation means it's kind of meh, and send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, what is going on with you? Well, thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to answer that question by talking about sort of this ongoing existential crisis I've been feeling like I've been in. Great. That is the question I asked. Yeah. um, Ever since uh, TIFF last year, uh, I have been in this kind of mini spiral that has grown larger and larger, in which I'm asking myself a pretty significant question. Mm. Uh, And that question is a really a sort of not great one to be asking when you do a movie review podcast. That question is, do I still like movies? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I may have talked about this in the show you, a little did, bit yeah. here and there. And let me just say, it's gotten worse. Fair. It's yeah. gotten worse. Last week was especially difficult for me in this existential crisis um, because I saw three movies in a row over the course of three days, all three of which were movies that I thought I would love. One of them we're talking about today. Um, the movies were Booksmart, uh, Late Night, and The Dead Don't Die. Mm. And, you know, I'll get into Booksmart more later, but let's just say Booksmart and Late Night, I was like, yeah, they're fine. And The Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch zombie movie, I fucking hated. Is that the one with... Um... Everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so I just, I just, you know, I watch, I sit down to watch these movies, uh, you know, to review for the show, and I'm just like... I just don't feel interested. Mm. I'm just like, ugh, I don't care. Uh, you know, I think it's a really, you know, it's a kind of a common thing. Film critics kind of hit a burnout. I think anything, you know, like yeah. if you if you make too much of your life about one particular thing for so long, then I think it's possible to get, to just fully burn out on that thing and then to just lose all interest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's that or if it's that movies just suck now mm. and tv is great because i watch a lot of tv and it does not let me down but movies continually let me down and tv is also not your job right so it's like and there TV, isn't tv is part of my job oh never mind yeah um my day job she's referring to my day job is equally movie and tv focused mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um if anything is actually more focused on tv uh so but tv is great and there's so much of it and movies are just kind of like wah, wah. And, you know, I'll go and I'll see like a a screening of a movie that I love from back in the day and they still hold their charm. Like I recently went and saw some friends do a production, um, a drag tribute to Welcome to the Dollhouse. Mm. Um, My friends who do a program called Film School Dropouts at the Roxy. And uh, and I was like, oh, my God, this movie is so good. Welcome to the Dollhouse is just outstanding Mm -hmm. still. And I'm just like, am I just getting old? Is it that like... Undeniably. Sure. Uh, you know, like I've read... And if I've said all this in the show before, please tell me. But like, you know, which also is part of getting old. Um, <laughs> just telling, <laughs> saying the same thing over and over again, acting like you're new. Um, and, you know, like there are those reports that, you know, when most people, when they hit 35, that's when they stop listening to any new music. Mm. Um, like they only at that point will listen to what they have already discovered. Um, and that's not the case for me musically, 
But I'm starting to wonder if, like, movie-wise, if I hit some sort of breaking point where I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't fucking care. Hmm. You know, like, there were people who think last year was a great year for movies, and I was definitely not one of them. Oh, I remember this came up right before you saw Gloria, because you were Gloria kind of Bell. like... Gloria Bell. Gloria Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of at this moment, and then this that was the one that kind yeah. of got you through the next mm-hmm. phase, but then that wore off. Yep. Yeah, I did just buy year. the uh, 12-inch maxi single of Laura Branigan's Gloria. It should be delivered next Thursday. Uh, I mean, so many movie memories rush to mind when that mm. song plays, whether Gloria Bell or I, Tanya. Right, just, yeah. Oof. It's, 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 I'll bring it over for us to listen oh, please to. Please do. Yeah, I, I will. look forward mm-hmm. to that. I look forward to that. But, but yeah, I mean, so it's really not anything that is a fun thing to talk about on a movie review podcast. Um, and so I really, I don't know. I don't, you know, and I don't want to turn into one of those critics who just hates every movie mm-hmm. um, or is like failing to in, uh, appropriately praise something just because I'm like jaded or burned out. Um, like I am especially nervous to not give Booksmart a rave review because mm. it is like universally loved and even renowned hater of all movies, Ingu Kang, last night almost slapped me across the face um we were at rocket man and and i was like telling her i was like i don't know if i like movies anymore and she's like well wait till you see book smart i'm like no i already saw it and she's like what are you saying i'm like i thought it was fine Mm. and and then she was like fuck you fuck you you're a fucking idiot i'm like all right (laughs) um took the words right out of my mouth no um that's to be fair that's her aloha she says it's a three day (laughs) hello goodbye i love you there's so yeah. many words for snow. And... Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just kind of o- opening up uh, to all of you about my existential crisis, about who am I if I don't like movies? Like, it's been, uh, like, a v- massive part of my identity from the time that I was, like, 10 years old. So, Do I you still like graphic tees? <laughs> so that's the other thing. If that changes, I don't know what will happen. You know, and that's actually a late in life development. I haven't always done the graphic tea thing. Ah, yes. So yes. yes. Yes, I'm still good on that. But I came, but I came to it later. Maybe in my 50s, I'll burn out in those. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, huh. so, so just know um, as I'm reviewing these movies um, that I am having this this back of the mind crisis and you know and if i actually do talk about a movie i really like then just know that i am so relieved that i liked it Mm -hmm. uh because i want to like movies um you know i remember i always think back to i went to this roger ebert tribute at the castro theater many years ago when roger was still with us and they had some filmmakers come and pay tribute to him and jason reitman was there and he said that what he loved about Roger Ebert as a critic is that he loved movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like, you know, because he's like, because filmmakers, we love movies. We love making them. We love watching them. And he's like, and there are a lot of critics. And he's like, I won't name any, I won't name any names. And he like coughed Manola Dargis's name. <laughs> um, he's like, just seemed like they actually fully hate movies. Um, and he's like, but Roger Ebert that never seems that way even mm. when he bashes a movie into the ground he's doing it from such a place of love um and that's you know and i and i thought to myself like that's what i always want to do right right uh so uh and 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 now i'm just kind of like uh, i'm just giving everything a consume spoiler mm. for this episode <laughs> <laughs> everything's getting consumed so this podcast will be very strange if it's someone who hates movies and someone who hasn't seen them <laughs> 
But you know what? Tell me where else we are in the market. We no. <laughs> Name of the podcast where that's a dynamic. We do love hearing ourselves talk, though. So hey. the show goes on. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to uh, to go on at length about that, but that is just where I'm at. I mean, to 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 really relate to what you're saying, I think lately I've been having this similar uh, existential crisis. Um, I have to ask myself, do I like Jason? Oh, sure. Um, the you answer is two- yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say cats. <laughs> no. No, what? no, of course not. Of course. No. Um, you uh, know what else I really love? The new Carly Rae Jepsen album. Do you? Yeah, I've been listening to that on repeat. I am, I'm a, and I can say it because I am one, a Jepsen head. Is that um, what they're called? That's what I'm called. Uh, that's what you're Me called. myself. Yeah. yeah. I'm the only one. Yeah. This is like an only gay in the village thing. Exactly. Yeah, there's no other Jepsen heads. Back off. Just this one. Mm-hmm. This one. Well, I actually don't like her, so you're welcome to it. Wow. You are just not here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like movies. I don't like Carly <laughs> Jepsen. I wasn't sure about your tone on cats. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm going to reassess how I feel about you. I'm a, no. I'm a consume. <laughs> On Jason. Well, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen is is like the only pop diva that doesn't do it for me. And I know that I'm in the minority on that, to be clear. I, I know like I'm wrong mm-hmm. about Carly okay. Rae Jepsen. Yeah. I listen to her music and it just doesn't, I think it might be her voice. I was talking about my... This I is talk- like, oh, so uh, the categories of uh, famous women singers you don't like are Aretha Franklin and Carly Rae Jepsen. Correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't like joyful singers. I like sad singers. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. It's just that thing where sometimes like it can be the exact kind of music you like, but if the voice doesn't like resonate with you when you first hear it, you're like, eh. Mm. Her voice just doesn't do it for me. Huh. Well, it's a great album. Uh, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and I can't wait to go to the show next month. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, I'm very excited. Oh, you're going to be dancing. Is oh, I'll be dancing. The GA floor? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's at Bill Graham. Ooh, mm. that's exciting. Um, have you seen Tuca and Birdie? I have. Yes, we just finished watching it two nights ago. How do you feel about it? I like it. Yeah, right? It took me a little while to get into it because it, it looks exactly like BoJack Horseman and the mm. humor could not be more different than BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me like an episode or two to be like, wait, what exactly is the tone of this show? Right. And uh, but then once I got into it, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this is fantastic. I've also found that it works better to not binge it because mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's very stimulating. Yeah, and it could be a bit much. And watching one every every day or one every couple of days is a lot better. Yeah, we we watched it one a night. It was yeah. our show. We always pick. We always have one show that we watch one episode of a night before going to bed. Oh, nice. And uh, and we 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 just finished watching Two and Birdie. Oh, uh, the L word just wrapped up for you. And yes, yes, I see. They just announced the name of the reboot. Oh, what's it called? I think it's called something like the L word generation Q or Q generation. Jesus Christ. And um, and like Alice, Shane and um, and Bet are all for sure returning. Wait, so how is so it's just the same show, but older? Um, I oh, think. Well, no, there, there's going to have there's going to be a new cast, too. But like those three are coming back. Oh, OK, cool. At the very end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, because you know that's the whole thing you know you've got to bring back the original cast to get the old fans on board so we can all hate watch again <laughs> yeah I guess so maybe they'll have a surprise like you know a little open with you know Jenny clawing her way out of a grave zombie style oh and is that what happens at the end well she dies at the end of the, <sighs> of the, the last one 
Spoiler yeah. alert. Sorry to break that to you. If this whole movie thing doesn't work out, maybe we can do an L Word hate podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel like we may have loosely tossed around that idea many years ago before we actually in earnest started making a podcast. I mean... I vaguely remember standing on like Mima's back porch at her at her place in the Castro and talking about the L Word with you. And now our, we have all this equipment and you don't like movies anymore, so yeah, tell me what the fuck we're going to do with it. And I still love lesbians and TV, mm-hmm. so listen i still love to hate things yes so, so i say go with what you know <laughs> we need to work on a name okay mm-hmm. um movies then i guess yeah if it's not too much to yeah, ask no, let's should we it. talk about them and <laughs> yeah let's see what comes out <laughs> <laughs> the first movie this week oh jesus this is gonna be good is aladdin you all know what it's about right it's aladdin read it but with will smith okay fine i'll read it a street rat frees a genie from a lamp granting all of his wishes and transforming himself into a charming prince in order to marry a beautiful princess. But soon, an evil sorcerer becomes hellbent on securing the lamp for his own sinister purposes. This movie had uh, a lot of attention when they, we first saw uh, Will Smith as the Blue Genie. Yeah. Um, then, I don't know if they just kind of retooled the marketing and showed that he also doesn't look like that. Um, <laughs> and then everything I heard about it died down. But this is, um, to me... I want to know about this movie because I want to know what to expect for the live action remake of Lion King, uh-huh. which I feel very uncomfortable about uh, all the emotional eggs I have in that basket and what I'm going to have to do to see that movie. Right. And, you know, prepare emotionally. Yeah. So, so tell me about, you know, taking this classic. I mean, I guess this is, I guess, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. As well, which was not as charming as the original. Definitely. There was a hollowness, I think, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Aladdin's a little bit different, maybe, or maybe just because I'm a certain age. Uh-huh. Where and it came out one year after the other, ninety one, ninety two. That's a big year for me. <laughs> twenty five, twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three, three to four. Um, you change a lot emotionally. Um, but Aladdin's a little bit more snarky and funny, and uh, it doesn't have the I don't know the 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 sadness of right. Beauty and the Beast or Lion King. Um, so tell me, Jason, does it have the heart of the original? No. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> you're going to give it A? Consume. Great. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's the word you used, hollowness, um, definitely applies here. Mm. More so, in my opinion, than in Beauty and the Beast, which I actually found the live action Beauty and the Beast to be fairly enchanting. On uh, its own. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Compared to the cartoon... Sure. I, I didn't find it as enchanting. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. I remember whenever they first launched into um, Bell's first musical number, and I realized, I'm like, oh, these are actually just going to be like fully live action reimaginings of animated cartoons, right down to actually finding out ways to make things that seemed improbable because they had to be animated to be realized to do that in a live action way, even though, of course, there's prodigious amount of cg mm-hmm. um in these movies M- considerably more um in aladdin it seems like it mm-hmm. just the whole thing feels like you're just in like this cg fantasia uncanny valley thing mm-hmm. where you know there's it's it feels like it's both a live action cartoon and then also just like a cartoon cartoon because so much of what you're seeing is fully cg uh, so it sort of almost begs the question of like, does something happen? Is something a cartoon if it's just a fully CG live action, like quote unquote live action? 
Like how much, how live can something be if it's entirely CG? Mm, ooh, asking the big questions, yeah, Jason. You know, this can is you I'm kill at. a robot? It's it's part of my spiral. I'm just I'm just I'm just looking behind the curtain at Oz. You know, I'm just have like, you what's... seen Westworld? <laughs> I know. I'm asking profound questions mm-hmm. that have never been addressed before in what any is form. Humanity. What is animation? Unclear. I don't know anymore. Um, so, but. I don't think you care to figure out. No. no. So, yeah. So this movie has just a real lack of magic to it. Um, it has a lack of warmth. It has a lack of heart. It just feels very flat and very lifeless. Uh, so that is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, like, very, very fond affectionate memories of Aladdin the original yes um it yeah it came out in 92 I was 10 it was you know massive cultural phenomenon and I remember very vividly in my elementary school chorus uh we sang nearly the entire soundtrack almost every single song we all sang um for like probably our Christmas concert that year uh it was non-stop Aladdin I had the soundtrack on CD it was a big thing so I'm like to the point where when I sat down getting ready to watch this movie, I actually did get excited because I looked at the screen with like the little image for the movie and I was like, oh God, like that's right. Like I love these songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and I'm going to get to watch like this live action reenactment of them. This movie has a really easy job um, to win me over who I'm already sitting here feeling super nostalgic for the original. And all you need to do is just like re recreate the original and not totally blow it in any weird way. And you're going to have me on board. Because I'm going to be like, yeah, I love this. I think I think the, the thing that you said that just stopped me was when you said, all you have to do is recreate the original. And I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing I, I, you think of is like, how are you possibly going to recreate Robin Williams? Right, right, right. And that's certainly the biggest piece of... Um, I don't know. It's funny because it, obviously Will Smith does not come anywhere near Robin Williams. It's mm-hmm. not possible. Um, but that's far from the worst thing about the movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, like Will Smith did, you know, of course, incur a lot of internet mockery mm. uh, when his image was released. And then fortunately he had the new song, The Hedgehog's Teeth, uh, come <laughs> along to to take the heat <laughs> off of him uh, in terms of like CG abominations that yeah. the internet likes to make fun of on mm-hmm. any given day. <laughs> <laughs> um so but no like well, well, i love animals with human teeth i love it it cracks me up every time i know i read your tender <laughs> uh so it's yeah so will smith let's talk about the will smith of it all uh first and foremost what i learned while watching this movie is that will smith um surprisingly is not one of the one of the rappers who can also sing ah which might make one wonder why uh, put him in a musical, um, but there he is. Uh, so there's there's a handful of songs. Most of the genie songs are more kind of like speak singing, mm-hmm. um, where it's just very rapid and it's totally fine. Um, but he is um, he sings the opening song, which is Arabian Nights, oh. and his voice sounds <clears throat> heavily processed. Uh, while trying to sing that fairly simple song. So I was like, oh, damn. So like right off the bat, I'm like, okay, so not only is everything I'm looking at CG, but even Will Smith's singing voice um, is like a computer creation Mm. that does not exist on this earthly plane. So that was, um, that threw me right away. Uh, Otherwise, you know, he 
you know, he shows up in the songs. He has a lot of energy. Um, they kind of add sort of like a few hip hop beats to the songs here and there. Will Smith drops some uh, uh, uh's into the songs. Oh, man. That kind of thing. Uh, so very that. He is, you know, he doesn't try to act like Robin Williams. He knows that would be pointless. So, you know, he's funny in his own way. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly probably like, I'm going to say 50%. It's at, it's at about 50% of what Robin Williams did in the original. Sure. Um, but he's still far and away the most entertaining part of the movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, like, with a bullet, number one. Uh, because aside from that, it just there's just nothing there. There's just no there there. The two leads who they cast as Aladdin and Jasmine... Uh, you know, it, it, and of course, <laughs> here's here's the here's the part where I say it's fantastic. Buckle that, up. Yes, it's fantastic. Of course, that Disney decided to buck, you know, a century of racist tradition and actually cast people of color, Emma Stone, as as, as people of color, um, in uh, in a movie. So that's fantastic. But it seems like they just kind of stopped when they found people who looked like the cartoons <laughs> and left it at that. <laughs> Okay. Um, they're like, great. Um, uh, let's bring him in. Uh, yeah, so there's a uh, Mina uh, Masood is the guy who plays Aladdin. And then Naomi Scott plays Jasmine. And um, and they're both very, you know, photogenic in that very sort of like harmless Disney way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it appears that Mr. Masood is a fine dancer, not much of a singer. Um, while Naomi Scott is a, is a great singer, huge voice, best singer in the movie. Um, they give her uh, a brand new song. Um, they, they decide to also just just shoehorn in some sort of like forced corporate feminism um, into the movie that Ooh. is wholly unconvincing to be like, oh, let's also give her... Because I feel like in all the animated movies that Disney Pixar does um, for the last, you know, however long, um, all of their plucky princesses also usually get some sort of like rebellion song about like, you know, whether it be Let It Go, um, you know, uh, How Far I Go. Any of the, yeah, um, any of them. So they have um, written a whole new song um, between um, Alan Menken, who did the score for the original, and then also they brought in um, um, Benji Pasek and Justin Paul, uh, the guys who did the songs from La La Land and Dear Dear Evan Hansen, to come up with this. They they write some new lyrics for songs throughout, and then they wrote this whole new song for Jasmine where she's like, I will not be silent. Uh, So it's... Yeah, uh, Naomi Scott sings the hell out of it, but it doesn't make the song any less mm. obvious. Uh, and the two of them just have no actual heat or chemistry at all, just not even the beginnings of it. Hmm. Uh, so there's nothing to enjoy about them. Uh, then the guy who plays Jafar just gives off a real Stephen Miller vibe. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that No, that it checks out with the character. Good, yeah, I mean, right. he is a presidential advisor, basically, mm-hmm. who is there to just start shit. He's a messy bitch who loves the drama <laughs> and has a very, very dark view of uh, foreign relations. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that that was not great. Uh, apparently, Alan Tudyk is doing the voice of the parrot. And I didn't even realize that there was anyone famous doing the voice because he just kind of makes parrot sounds the entire time. Oh, I mean, what would Aladdin be without Gilbert Gottfried? I know. I know they don't He's try still to alive. like bring someone else in like, you know, even, I know, you know, Ryan Reynolds just did the voice of Pikachu, but have <laughs> Ryan Reynolds do the voice of the parrot. Like have. Oh, I know, feel like have, the Bradley Cooper raccoon, Bradley Cooper which I just raccoon. learned uh, would have been a good one. He's very snarky. <laughs> right. have, I mean, even have think outside the box, have Jenny Slate do it, have Leslie Jones do it. Ooh. Have like, you know, like and instead they just bring in Alan too to go just like the entire time and just like to repeat words like parrots do. 
Um, that's like pretty much all they do with the parrot. They could have just gotten a real parrot. They could have gotten a real parrot. Uh, so there are still the big musical numbers, which, um, you know, are fine. They just kind of, there's just no joy in them. It just feels like this mechanical, empty, soulless thing. They're just going through the motions. Um, the movie is directed very bizarrely, um, by Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie directed this Aladdin. Hmm. And that, and I can't say that I really feel him in it. And I can't, and, and it doesn't seem like he was the best choice for the material. I could see some meeting somewhere with them being like, oh yeah, because he does like, he's really good at like street scenes and yeah, chase chases. scenes. But, you know, and that would have been if they had actually let him make like a, a grittier version of the story. Mm. But there is not, not a speck of grit to be found um, in this highly, highly polished um yeah, computer glossy production. How weird. I feel like it's an interesting business move and I don't understand business at all. So let sure. me just go. Yeah. Um, to take something that I'm sure at the time cost a lot of money to make because it was animated by hand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, back in those days. Because I know Beauty and the Beast did have like the first computer scene or something. Right. So maybe it had a little bit, but definitely, right? Like not at all. Yeah, the, the ballroom, today. the ballroom dance. So you're going to take a movie that was probably comparatively super cheap to make and then hire real actors and then redo it with real like why do the more expensive version Mm -hmm. of a thing when you could just like maybe re-release the original one in like high def or something because they want to make new money off of it do you think it is it makes back that kind of i think it does like i think this movie's going to do very well yeah um and i think that's also because i think kids today look at like your aladdin's you're being the beast and they think that the animation looks horrendous because animation has them. come so far. Um, I'm going to so, Joe Biden those that generation right now. I don't gonna, care about your avocado hair. toast and your hate of Aladdin. You're going to just give them a light back rub and, and smell gonna, their hair. <laughs> yeah. uh, and alienate them. And alienate them. Myself. And fail to excite them. Um, yeah. So uh, so and it's 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 part of it's just yeah part of uh, you know evolving uh, standards and norms in any you know piece of pop culture like even uh, kids today to make it about drag race because what isn't uh, you know people who've been you know teenagers who've been raised on drag race have an, a, a, an extraordinarily high picture of what drag makeup is meant to be mm. Uh, mm. that is almost like it is almost impossibly far fetched. Uh, like the like the kinds of extreme HD makeup that's being done on Drag Race. Hmm. So to the point where if you show, I remember watching um, the one time that I filled in for Joshua Grinnell at his film class, um, and I was teaching um, La Caja Fall, the film that The Birdcage is based on. Mm-hmm. And this was, I mean, this was, I don't even know, like six or seven years ago. So things hadn't even gotten to where they are now on Drag Race. Um, but like all the kids in the class were just like, oh my god, their makeup is so bad. Their drag is horrible. And it's just like, no, it, it's not, though. Uh, wow. You know, like, at the time, this was drag. Yeah. And you have a really kind of impossibly high standard that drag race has given you for what it's supposed to look like. So I feel like that's kind of, unless the kids can get to a point where they can ironically appreciate the old school animation, they're going to watch those older movies and they're going to, A, they're going to think they're boring because the pacing is not what pacing is today. And they're going to think they look cheap. So I feel like that's where things like this come in. And it's also, it's I mean, it's the Disney pricing cycle of, you know, you start off with your animated movie, then you go your Broadway stage show, mm. and then you do your live action remake. So you're not sure you like movies anymore. You hate the youth. This <laughs> isn't an age thing at all, I'm <laughs> sure. No. 
No. Um, greetings, fellow youths. <laughs> Where do you think this sets us up for Lion King? Let's get to the real question. I feel like Lion King is going to be better. I um, hope so. If only because... I mean, I think, you know, Aladdin kind of always was a more, like you were saying before, like it was just kind of more of a lighthearted action comedy. Uh, whereas The Lion King, you know, was uh, was kind of profound. It was very profound. And also, I, do, I can't imagine that you would get Beyonce on board um, if, if there isn't, wasn't something yeah. really strong there. And, and plus, they're just going to have like, since it will all just be like CG animals or whatever the entire time. And they were doing a really good job. We, Jungle Book was really good at CG yeah, animals. I just cried my eyes out at that Drogon thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that that's one place where they, they could do... Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, don't even talk about Okja. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even a real animal. Right. Lost my mind. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Meanwhile, uh, Boon Jong-ho just had another movie at Cannes uh, premiere and into a five-minute standing ovation. So wow, I'll I won't to, be watching we'll that. look forward to that. But, Terrified. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's about animals this time, but... But yeah, I mean, I think honestly, a big part of what sucks about this movie is that it kind of unsuccessfully combines the human element with like Mm. nonstop CG and the human element that it has really is lacking in star power and charisma. Mm. Um, And so it just doesn't come through. Whereas in The Lion King, they're not going to be like kind of people. They're not going to be humans lacking charisma on screen. It's all going to be animals and they're all going to be voiced by by professional entertainers. Amazing. Who, right, by, like, amazing by the top of the top A-list people. And then on the other side, you have Beauty and the Beast, which, you know, definitely had CGI, but didn't interact as much with the humans. Um, and, the human- and also the CGI was the worst part of that movie. Right, yeah. And plus, I mean, it had Emma Watson, who is mm. just, she's a star. She has great presence. You connect with her when she's on screen. Uh, you know, she had to carry kind of the emotional weight of that movie on her shoulders. And I thought, you know, she did fantastic. So, and there's just not, yeah, they cast these two kind of beginners who maybe could be great in other things, but who in this kind of like fully CG setting just seem like they're, Mm. maybe it's, you can tell that they're just looking at, you know, tennis balls in every scene. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess that, yeah. So it just, it it just, these are not stars born moments for either of them. Hmm. What are you Um, giving this one? It's a consume. All right. Aladdin, we've already spent too much time on you. Let's move on to hating something else. Um, oh, it's rated PG for some action and peril. Interesting. Yes. Uh, our second movie this week is Booksmart. Academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realize that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night. A chaotic adventure that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. So we already kind of got into how you feel about book smart. Um, definitely seemed like something that would be up uh, your alley, up, yeah. up our alley, right? You have some precocious um, teenage girls, mm-hmm. so definitely up your alley. Yeah, in not in that way. Nope. Um, having having a wild time um, seems very uh, similar to a movie you did recently like I'm trying to remind you of the movies remember when you liked the movie with John Cena <laughs> um, Blockers Blockers yeah um, has a great soundtrack um no it okay <laughs> um Walk me through, walk me through your roller coaster here. Wait, wait do your expectation the, level? This was, yeah, the, just like uh, Aladdin. I was sitting there thinking, like, all right, movie, just break it off. Like, like you have this. Mm-hmm. Like, I am your target demo. 
Um, I mean, not literally in the demographic sense, right? Yeah. Um, but I am your, I am like your, I'm like your number one fan, just waiting to happen. So just do it, and you know, and I, you know, and I certainly had heard good things about it. But I mean, I'm, you know, I know enough at this point never to, you know, believe hype about movies. Mm. So it's not like I was like, this is going to be fantastic. I kind of sat back and just kind of was like, all right, let's let's do this. And honestly, I I, I liked it. It was fine. But it was only just that. It was only just fine. Uh, And it carried itself like it was just crushing it. Mm. Um, But to me, it was not nearly as funny as it carried itself as. Like, you could tell it was just like, it was just like this strutting, cocky teen comedy that was just like picking up laughs everywhere I go. And there were all these things that were happening where I was like, I can see that this is supposed to be funny. But I'm not really, I don't think it's funny. Uh, So that was a big part of it. And I think that, I think that honestly, part of the problem with me in this movie might be that I have seen every movie that is like this movie. Ah. And I've seen them all a bunch. Mm -hmm. And I've seen every TV show that's like this movie. And so, and this movie just didn't add anything to it for me. Uh, It's it's funny that you bring up uh, Blockers. Uh, because that's that's the most that's the closest thing to this movie in my estimation. Mm. Um, but Blockers was fucking better. Blockers was great. Um, and you know, I think that there's like there wasn't a single scene in this movie that I didn't feel like I've already seen five thousand other times. Mm. And this movie just didn't really bring anything new to the table. Uh, you know, it's it's commendable for the lead performances, especially from Beanie Feldstein. Mm. Uh, who was so great in Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Caitlin Deaver plays uh, her best friend, who is, um, and she happens to be gay. So, you know, has queerness. But again, Blockers covered that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Our new podcast is called Blockers, where we compare every movie <laughs> to right. Blockers. And everything comes up short. <laughs> um, even though in Blockers, it was, you know, the girl had to come out. She wasn't mm-hmm. out at the beginning of the movie. And this, it's, you know, it's a known thing. Um, but it not a big enough thing to make a difference to me, I didn't think. Um, so uh, Caitlin Deaver has been kind of showing up in in kind of supporting best friend roles in a lot of things over the years. She was in Laggies. She played mm. Timothy Chalamet's uh, like junkie girlfriend and beautiful boy. Uh, so they're both great, Beanie in particular. But Beanie's presence is really a double-edged sword for me because like on the one hand, like, yeah, it's her first starring role and she does kill it. She's so funny. She is far and away the best part of the movie. The reason to watch is to just feel her energy. But she also, as we mentioned, was just in Lady Bird. Right. And Lady Bird is untouchable. Like Lady Bird is one of probably my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Lady Bird actually managed to tell a story about teen, teen girls in high school in a way that was so personal and had so much insight um, and so much specificity that it mm. transcended the genre and the tropes of the genre. This movie has no insight into anything. It just goes through a series of like rapid tropes. Mm. And, you know, and it just tries to count on the personalities of the two leading ladies to elevate it. Uh, and that's, I've seen that before. 
You know, like, that's what teen girl comedies are. You have, like, likable actresses. You cast them as the characters. They get into misadventures. Even the exact set of this movie where we have, you know, it's the last day of school mm. and, you know, they just figured out that everyone's been partying but them, but everyone's also going to Ivy League schools just like they are. And they're like, we have to go party. So it's just like, oh, trying to find a big party in the last night of school. Like, uh, that's not new. No, that's uh, the 80s. That's, yeah, I mean, that's even this. That's can't hardly wait. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, super bad. That's dazed and mm. confused. Uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it doesn't do anything that exciting with it. Uh, so that really bummed me out. It also, I, yeah, there are scenes like, you know, like, oh, oh, oops, they got high. Oh, I've never mm. seen that happen. Uh, you know, there's like weird fumbling bathroom sex, which felt like can't hardly wait. Um, and then Lee's like, uh-oh, someone got puked on. Never seen that happen before. Heathers. Uh, yeah, like, it's <laughs> it's just nothing about it felt fresh to me. What about the what about the way this movie is, from my experience in the trailers, um, <laughs> you know, seems to have a uh, uh, n- no apologies, strong female uh, energy where it's like they aren't taking second seat to anybody and they run the show. Again, I feel like that's almost everyone that I watch. Like, Heathers didn't take backseat to anyone. Mean Girls didn't take a backseat to anyone. Uh, and granted, in those, there was also a meanness um, mm. that was part of it. And this movie, it's like the New Yorker ran a kind of deranged pan of this movie uh, that I was hoping I would agree with so I could like use it to back me up. But I actually think that Richard Brody is out of his goddamn mind. Um, but he was like complaining that he was like, oh, you know, where is the pain in their experiences? Where are the clicks? Um, you know, what is this utopia that you know that, that Olivia Wilde, this is directed by Olivia Wilde, has mm. um, you know has has wrought? Like, there's no teenagers will relate to this. <laughs> decrees Richard Brody. <laughs> um, so, but then it actually turned out that because it does play, take place um, at a school in L.A. And, um, you know, and there is, yeah, like the, the show, the, the, it doesn't have any clicks. Everyone's mm. very friendly with each other. Um, you know, there's like scenes, there's like a drama club scene um, that is best embodied by a character played by Noah Galvin. I'll say this. There's a scene in this movie where I felt more represented that I have in a long time um, where they're at uh, like the drama kid party and there's a karaoke room and Caitlin Deaver's character goes in and sings You Ought to Know. And um and like surprises everyone by having a strong singing voice, and then Noah Galvin, who plays like this gay theater kid, um is like very threatened uh, by the fact <laughs> that she can sing well. And he was like, "Yeah, no, I mean she's you know, I mean like she has no breath control, so I mean obviously she's not trained, but but no, she no she's she's good." Uh, I was and that I was like, "Oop, that's me, yep. hit me, <laughs> hit me." Not that I have breath control, um, but uh, but yeah, so. So, uh, yeah, Sergio Brody was like, oh, there's no clicks, there's no meanness, there's no nothing. Um, but then, um, again, talking to Ingu about it, and she was like, that was literally my exact school. You know, mm. she's like, that's where I went to high school, that's the exact vibe we had in our high school. So I think it just, you know, people are, the Richard Brody's of the world want to dang it as being unrealistic, just because it's like this kind of, like, just this this kind of Trump-free paradise where everyone's mm. very woke and progressive and respects each other's identities and, um, you know, and everyone's free to express themselves without, um, you know, fear of any recrimination or attack. I will also go on, on record saying that I went to a pretty click-free, uh, friendly high school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the bully. So right, that's on. right, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. You were the Regina George of your school. I was. We know. Uh, so yeah, so I wasn't bothered by uh, by that, but yeah, but all, all of which is to say, I have seen this before. Mm. Um, even I mean, even in you know blockers, uh, you know like yeah, like, yeah, like 
there are not like these ideas where we talk about like even with Disney where we're like oh this princess is finally plucky it's like they have always been plucky uh you know like for the last decades decades they have always been plucky uh and it's just like oh like it's finally a comedy told from a female's point of view it's like Maybe it's just because I, again, oversaturate my own viewing <laughs> habits with this thing. Like, every movie, every night oh I watch God. is about oh high school God. teenage girls. Every movie that gets made is about funny, <laughs> smart, strong teenage girls. But also, but I feel like if you're going to take the Disney example uh, or, even, or even some of these other examples, like um, they're strong in spite of or there's a plucky moment in spite of like the like... Um, <laughs> Whitney Houston just <laughs> Whitney wants in. She wants in. Um, my my rec my vinyl bodyguard soundtrack just kind of slid mysteriously from its shelf and <laughs> and now is, eye, is now eyeballing Rebecca. Um, I will do you. I will do you right, Whitney. Whitney. She wants us to remember that she is every woman. She is. Uh, it's all in her. Yeah. Um, so they're they're plucky and strong in spite of the the uh, picture that's painted in the story of like you know the oppressive patriarchy the expectations of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if this doesn't have that um, and it's just almost kind of I, I mean there is a, an oppressive presence when we were talking about Gate Kitchen. Um, there's like just this movie that you can turn on and at the beginning of the movie these girls kind of like go through um, you know like being in control of their lives and their day and, and like like unencumbered with that um mm. it's which is a little bit different like of than being strong in 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 contrast to a, a situation yeah. i mean i guess i could see the disney example makes more sense to me like if you think that like you know like yes normally well the pluckiness comes in the face of opposition um you know so i guess only recently with things like i guess like moana didn't mm. really have a you know uh well i guess she was still no, you know, she, she was, was, also she was, in she was contrast, playing yeah. against you know tradition and all that stuff um, but like you know, there was no oppressive force in like Lady Bird, even though the fact even they're going to a Catholic school, uh, mm. there was like f- economic anxiety, um, mm. but that was about it. Yeah, um, you know, there was no yeah, like in yeah, like in Mean Girls and Heather's, the girls are the oppressors. In Clueless, there was no oppressive force. Cher had complete autonomy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, like it's just not a thing. You know, like blockers, there was no oppressive force except for the parents trying to you know cock block the kids. So mm. like. I just don't feel like it's new. Hmm. I feel like it's well-worn territory. And, um, you know, and we're wanting to like circle around Booksmart and celebrate it right now. Um, just because, you know, again, the time and, you know, the era that we're living in, we want to celebrate something that because, you know, it's female directed, which is great because it's, you know, queer positive, which is great. Um, because it's, it's prioritizing female stories, which is great. Um, but there's just a bunch of other stuff out there that does that too. And maybe I just know too much about it, but I didn't think this was one of the better ones. Like I didn't even think I needed to see it again um, at the end of it. I was mm. just like, this was perfectly pleasant, but it was a familiar ride through a lot of familiar tropes and that's it. Okay. Booksmart is rated R for strong sexual content and language throughout drug use and drinking all involving teens. And that brings us to our third movie of the week, which is nonfiction. Rebecca saw this one. I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Alan is in his 40s and runs a famous publishing house, which publishes novels by his friend Leonard, a bohemian writer. Alan's wife, Selena, is the star of a popular TV series, and Leonard's companion, Valerie, is a devoted assistant of a political figure. Although they are longtime friends, Alan is about to turn down Leonard's new manuscript, complicating the relationship between the two couples. Rebecca, what do you think ah, of this one? You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this 
just wanted you to set it up. Um, <laughs> well, you just set it up. Yeah, okay, set it up. So, so well, we can mention it's directed by um, Olivia Sayas, mm-hmm, who directed such hits as <laughs> Clouds of Sils Maria. Yeah, and the other one. Uh, <laughs> there's, I mean, there have been so many. He's very prolific. Um, going back to like Demon Lover, mm-hmm. Irma Vap. Uh, he, yeah, he's, yeah, Summer Hours. Uh, there have been a shit ton. And he works with Juliette Binoche a lot. And Personal Shopper? Pers- yeah, Personal Shopper. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, he works with Juliette Binoche a lot. And she's in this one as she well. She is. And gets a name drop. She does. Which is amazing. Yes. Uh, so, but this is a kind of a new thing for him because it's actually, um, it, it's an attempt at a comedy. Yeah, yeah. He's going for levity this time around. But it's a French comedy, so it's... No laughs. No. <laughs> Which is funny, because it's also like, it's very much about right. technology, but there's no technology. Right. It's like, no laughs, lots of suicides. <laughs> so, pretty it's typical. crack em up. Typical French comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, it's really, um, it feels very much like a French language attempt at a mid-period Woody Allen movie. Mm, there is a uh, there is a lot of coffee shop adultery like uh, midlife musing on philosophical like, fretting about mm-hmm. things on, on like mo- like modern technology. This is yeah, lots of luddite. There's like a of. young uh, like ingenue type shake 'em up mm-hmm. um, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's a Woody Allen movie. Mm-hmm. Um, except for it's in French, um, which makes it hard to zone out during, as Rebecca <laughs> tried to do earlier. <laughs> Gotta pay attention. Hard to work at the same time. I have to say, uh, the other day I, I turned it on. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the movie for this week. I got, got home from work and I turned it on. And I was like, oh, it's in French. And I immediately shut it off. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happens to a person when you are like so tired from working that you are like, I, I'm like, I, there's no way I can watch subtitles right now. That's the first time that it's really like landed that hard where oh, man. the amount of. See, you don't like movies anymore either. I mean, I. What is this show? I don't want to say that. I just want to say like. You don't like to read. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! No, it's not that either. I just hate the French. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember like maybe yesterday or today I messaged you and I was like, "Oh, did you watch nonfiction?" And your response was, "It's French." <laughs> Which to me said that whole story. And and I thought that that meant that like the link they had sent us was not subtitled. I was like, oh my God, they didn't send a subtitled link? And you're like, no, it's subtitled. I just didn't want to watch it. Maybe I need new glasses. I just feel like I can't even like focus enough after work now to like. See, age. It all comes back to age. It this is episode. age. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're closing in on 40. So. We're falling apart. Our glory days are behind us. Uh, so great! Yeah. I hope everyone's enjoying this show. <laughs> right, uh, listening to our real time decline uh, for your listening pleasure. I mean, usually we talk about societal decline and, mm-hmm. and political decline and sometimes fall gotta, democracy, but sometimes you got to turn the lens around yourself. Yeah, we're zoning in. This is a micro mm-hmm. micro episode. And that's what we're doing. Uh, oh, one of your teeth just fell out. Oh God damn it! Fuck! Fuck! Keeps happening. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm just gonna hold it. There you go. Um, so uh, anyway, so nonfiction: Olivier Assayas, Juliette Binoche, uh, trying to do a comedy. Uh, did you find it funny? Uh, once I realized it was a comedy, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, binge it. Let's go. <laughs> we always say the metric of a comedy is whether or not it's funny. Uh, I, I felt like at first I could I 
it's not so obvious that you're just like, are these people unbearable or are they purposefully unbearable? Right. And I don't know what like pushed me over the line to, to realize that they were purposeful. I, I didn't read that it was a comedy. Mm. Um, but Because you don't read. I hate it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Bifocals. That's not true. But I do think I need new glasses. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, back. <laughs> um, oh, another one of your teeth just fell out. <laughs> don't swallow it. Don't tilt your head back like that. <laughs> Um, yes, oh my I, God, I did. Your nose just fell off. <laughs> I did find it funny. Um, uh, you know, in the way that I think if you like a, the extremely low key French version of, you know, asshole comedies, like, you know, like a Seinfeld type dynamic or, mm. um, or just like everyone is, is really awful in their own way. And they're all just right. uh, a bunch of petty, petty borderline friends. Yeah. And there's you know, there's there's some amusing pieces to the story, such as the fact that Juliette Binoche's character plays um, <laughs> a detective on a cop drama, except for she's always um, clarifying that it's not a detective. Uh, <laughs> it's like what is it like a conflict ma- conflict manager or something like that? Right. Yeah. Um, crisis manager. Crisis manager. Yeah. She's like, well, she's not actually a detective. She's a crisis manager. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And then, um, so sort of like delusions of 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 B level artists, like the um, you know this this bohemian author who's so full of himself mm-hmm. and so pompous, um, insists that he writes autofiction, um, <laughs> which is like this term that he will explain to anyone who will listen because he's frequently accused of writing these very thinly veiled. Um, you know, personal stories that are about very much his life and his affairs and all the right. rest of it. And everyone's like, we know who it's about. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 it is autofiction. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't speak English with a French accent. No, no. Um, sorry, that was, the teeth are falling out of rapid pace. <laughs> so I'm kind of, my head's out, not in the game. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so there's, there's, there's those amusing bits to it. But frankly, I found like the endless, endless like just griping conversations about like the death of the publishing industry the death of print media um you know people complaining about the rise of digital the digital age and internet culture Mm. tedious i didn't think that it was like especially interesting or funny it Uh, also seemed like um like they, they they weren't using technology at all. But they talked about technology the, the whole movie, mm-hmm. um, basically in this in this back and forth about like are people reading blogs <laughs> um, <laughs> and Twitter or are they reading books? And then it's like all this like oh we're gonna like publish it as an ebook. Like I w- right. I would feel like at this point in time if you were writing a book, you would assume that it also gets an ebook, whether or not you know what that means or like what right. it does or how it sells. Like it's like if you make a record, you know that it's gonna have like a like a a digital version even if you yeah. are like i don't know in a in a type of music that isn't very like electronic yeah. right like if you like play classical you still know they talk about ebooks like they're virtual reality yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> or like a hologram tour right they're like what's next e- ebooks ebooks i'm just like in, this takes place in paris and maybe <laughs> so maybe it's very reflective of parisian views maybe on, there's uh, like a whole tariff thing but e-books. i feel like everyone has a kindle yeah i know and do you even call it an ebook I guess so. I, like you say, like or just get available also. The digital on, version. Yeah, digital version, or yeah, I guess probably ebook. I don't know. But the movie is <laughs> very. Like email. It was just kind of like there's, you know, it's just always a drag to watch, you know, people, you know, middle aged people complain about the rise of whatever the kids are doing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and you know. that brings full circle. <laughs> 
to this podcast. <laughs> Listen, so now what we're saying is we saw too much of ourselves and the characters of nonfiction. And the snake ate its tail. And, um, and yes, we went full Ouroboros. Um, the characters were by far, some of the characters at least, were easily the most amusing characters I've ever seen in an SIS film. Like, hmm. especially the bohemian and his wife. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. I, he's he's a buffoon mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. full-fledged yeah. pompous like unself-aware buffoon mm-hmm. who thinks he's sneaky and slick and everyone has his number yes yeah uh so yeah i mean it had its entertaining pieces to it but it was just kind of like a i don't know kind of a shrug to me mm-hmm. overall yeah i think maybe um the fact that we both do work in tech to to hear this sort of discussion that's been had already about like right. digital versus not a fresh discussion um, is particularly annoying because i I feel like we we get it a lot, or we're yeah. s- we're so like I don't know. Yeah, like we're, it's it's like it's not a conversation we enjoy having to hear again and again and again right. because it's a conversation that's been going on for a long time. And you know, and of course, we you know, in on some of we might feel implicated uh, or or like you know, just defensive. Like, okay, stop taking a shit on you know what we do. Like, mm-hmm. we get it, we're the villains. Right. Um, but you know, in this movie, this movie has the conversation as if it's a new one, and yeah. and it isn't. You know, um, it'd be one thing if it was like you know they just need to add a post, you know, add like a title card at the beginning that says Paris 2006. <laughs> right. And yeah. then I'd be like, oh, so it's just at the beginning of this. Now that's interesting. <laughs> um, but they don't do that, and uh, so it's just your usual sort of like you know Parisian thing of lots of couples cheating on each other and not really caring that much and you know, smoking and complaining about digital attacher, uh, digital culture. Mm. Um, I thought an interesting part of the the film is is kind of, you know, how it's built, I think, more than even as a comedy or the other stories that happen is this, like, tension between these two friends, one of who owns the pub- or manages a publishing company and one who is an author. And um, I don't know how that kind of relationship and, and, like, the roller coasters of friendship goes into, goes over time about, like, being over someone's shit and um, reflects in like how they produce their work mm. uh, because he's you know having the struggle with his manuscript while um, I mean or also well, what was their friendship like before because it seems like the manuscript probably sucked right and the only reason he got it published was because someone went to bat for him for mm-hmm. other purposes um, but but how, like what a weird relationship that is to, to be the person that essentially like makes a decision about someone's career mm-hmm. and it's like well I'm over you as a friend and like right. I see all the shit that you're doing and you're just putting it in this book and right. I don't even like, know that you're fucking my wife not even know that well yeah. spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> which is a connection that I did not buy I did not buy that, no. Ju- that Julia there was no would sleep with that no. schlubby guy and that, that was a moment when I was like oh well, this is like such a French movie thing mm. where people just like sl- like the the level of a maybe it's because american movies are so like uh pearl clutching about like adultery uh type situations especially like amongst friends it becomes like a crazy thing but here it's just like oh of course i should have seen yeah of course they would be sleeping together yeah um where i was like i don't get this Mm -hmm. um yeah no it's true and i I appreciate that i guess that it kind of skewers it doesn't really take a side because mm -hmm. none of the characters come out looking especially good or at least between the two guys you know like the one guy represents you know sort of like you know capitalist opportunism um and one representing you know like bygone ideals of the artist life um they both suck at it yeah and you know they're both fools Mm -hmm. uh so and they're both bad at it and ultimately you know life in the world is indifferent to them both and uh 
And, you know, so that's, and that's, that's a little, you know, prezian twist at the end where it's like, and all is indifference, all is vanity. None of this really matters. And I feel like if you want to see a movie that is uh, a foreign movie and uh, funny in a way that, 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 I don't know, kind of hit me in the same vein, but is, but is very funny would be um, Square. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Square actually. Yeah. I would agree. Um, or just watch You've Got Mail, you know? <laughs> 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 that covered these bases much more effectively. Yeah, yeah. Much e- more effectively. Email. Yes. <laughs> e- email. It's like ebooks, but yeah, to but just you. Yeah. Um. So, what are you going to give this one? It's a consume. <laughs> it is a consume, and they're they're all the familiar things that like you know make you like movies um, that take place in France, which is, you know, people carrying around newspapers and and smoking and walk and like having cafes and wearing like wool sweaters. Right. Casual um, affairs. Juliette Binoche, mm-hmm. um, all the hallmarks of a French film. Yeah, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. in that way. It's charming. It feels familiar. Um, but yeah, I would see the square instead. Yeah, this re- it really is just a real gab fest. <laughs> this, <laughs> this movie. Do you love to read? It's yeah. If you love like rapid fire French subtitles um, that are just people having not super interesting conversations about uh, you know the death of print media. Then yeah, this I mean, movie's it, for you. We already know how it ends. Right. We're in it. We're in it now. I mean, I guess we don't know how it ends, but we know how it's how it looks. Not, anyway. Not good. Not um, well, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go have a let's go have a heart to heart before our next episode. Great. Would you know what movies are coming next? Um I think next week we're reviewing Rocket Man. Oh boy. Uh <clears throat> Yeah, next week we're reviewing uh, Rocket Man, uh, Ma. Ooh, the Olivia Sp- Octavia Spencer movie. Yes, the very same. Um, although it's screening on Tuesday night, so you can't come. Um, <laughs> and then a third movie to be decided. Ooh. Yes. If it if worse comes to worse, it'll be an old one that Jason loves to bring him back. Yes. And make it fun. Um, anyway, nonfiction is rated R for some language and sexuality nudity. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about movies and things <laughs> and whether um, we like them huh. don't forget we're on uh, spotify now yes check um, us out there mm-hmm. and Follow always us. on soundcloud on itunes uh, google podcasts yeah. uh, stitcher anything um, <laughs> <laughs> jason is on twitter at excess baggage i'm at fight balance thank you so much for listening bye guys bye-bye binging on movies with rebecca and jason you made it to the end that's amazing There goes the binge. binge.